Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of the Summix podcast. I'm your host Tony Hand and today we will speak about land use planning and which place mining has in this area. This is currently a hot topic in Europe and also globally as the energy transition is increasing significantly our need for new more minerals and metals. More and more governments decide on dedicated strategies to ensure the domestic supply of critical raw materials. And this also means that land use planners have to take into consideration the need of safeguarding the access to those metals and minerals. However, there is also a growing opposition to new mining projects. So it's important to understand the role mineral extraction plays compared to other types of land use. To help us investigate this topic, we have two amazing experts who share their insights with us. First up, we have Sybil Byrne, an urban planning consultant working for McCabe Dorney Barnes, a planning consultancy in Ireland. Sybil has worked on a variety of large-scale projects, including the extractive industry, and has, for instance, undertaken research as part of the Horizon 2020 Minland project. Our second expert is Professor Thomas Hartmann. Thomas is a professor at the Technical University of Dortmund in Germany, and his research focuses primarily on instruments and strategies of land policy for dealing with scarcity of resources, with a particular focus on land and water issues. Thomas is also the president of the International Academic Association on Planning Laws and Property Rights. Now, we all know that mining can have a long-lasting impact on a region, and which can often be a big concern for local populations and increases public opposition to mining. So we first asked Thomas to share his thoughts on this topic and how he thinks land use planning should address mining. Well, we need to understand mining is a very special land use. I'm now situated in the rural area. Uh, an area of coal, steel, and beer. At least it used to be. Well, steel and, and coal went away. We only have beer left. Um, anyway, um, what I see here in the Rue area is how long the impact of mining activities are on a region, um, reaching from, uh, from migrations of people into an area, uh, changing the whole landscapes, but also for future generations, we're talking about land subsidence, long, long-term consequences, also on the environment. And um, planning is a party that has the job to um, take the public interest um, into account and the public interest also involves future interests and the interest of those who cannot speak, the nature, uh, weak population, uh, populations, um, future migrants. I mean, the, the, the impact of mining on a landscape is immense. So that the burden on planners to, to take this balancing act very serious is very, very high. So opening a new mine is indeed not an easy decision at all, considering the long-term impact it will have on a region. We asked Sybil if she thinks land use planners are well equipped overall to take this kind of decision. Yeah, I think I do. I, I think this is where you need your government um, level to be uh, very proactive and to provide education and support to local authorities where there may be gaps in knowledge. Obviously, 
not all local authorities have to deal with mining. It, it doesn't happen everywhere. It's quite a very specialist area. The engineering, the equipment above and below surface, it's not a house, it's not a road. It's very difficult to understand. So in, in this respect, the government needs to be very proactive at engaging with the local authorities and trying to um, teach them how it works. Um, also another element, and this is I think a problem a little bit, not just for mining, but maybe for other industries like you know, energy production, like renewable energy. There is a lot of work that can be done by developers themselves and also with the government, the responsible agencies in educating the public. Why are those uses important and why do we need them? It's not a case of uh, out of sight, out of mind, you know? At the end of the day, and I think what we're seeing today with the energy crisis is that we need to be more self-sufficient. We need to produce uh, our own raw material, our own energy, et cetera, et cetera. We can't just rely on someone else all the time. So that's something that's an agenda for the government and their supportive agencies to uh, pursue. They have to teach people what mining is about and how we can work. And for this, I think we can use, you know, positive stories of where a successful mining operation, you know, it's not just about drilling holes in the ground, you know, mining operation can educate you, they give you job, they give you, um, they can fund your local activities, they can build your school, et cetera. So I think this is more of a, a government level type uh, of endeavor where you need, if you want mining to happen, you need the government and the government level to act on it. You, they need to go on the ground and educate planning authorities and educate the public effectively to make it happen. It's very insightful that Sybil highlights the importance of education in improving the public's understanding of the importance of mining activities for society. It's clear that public perception can have a significant impact on the decision to open a new mine. Land use planning indeed sounds like a very complex area and with so many different factors to take into consideration. Thomas shared with us his insights on how land use planners can find an appropriate balance between different land uses. So, of course, uh, extractive industries and mining are very intense land uses, but they, they need a lot of resources, these activities. And the resources is not only the resource that you put out of the ground, but it's also the land, it's, the, it's all the environmental resources, also social resources that are needed. So um, from that respect, it's a very important land use that needs to be taken into account when balancing um, different land uses. In a perfect world, planning, land use planning, does not pursue an own spatial interest, but it balances out interests by others. Um, I, I know this is a bit an idealistic view, and in different countries we see different notions how this balancing and independent balancing is, is, um, is working out in practice. But in a perfect world, what planning should do is taking all the spatial claims and balance them carefully in order to make a decision how to use the scarce resource at stake. Uh, this means that Theoretically speaking, mining and is just a land use like housing, commercial land use, infrastructure, flood risk management, 
or um, recreational areas. And planners need to balance that. Um, of course, this is a bit of a simplistic view because there are land uses that, that are more urgent, more pressing. You cannot negotiate with the river about an inundation zone, for example. Um, so there, there are some pressing issues. There are some physical constraints on things, natural re resources that you want to mine are in a certain locations and you cannot just place it in a different locations. Whereas others like, like housing, for example, you, you can more easily shift and move about. Um, so taking these constraints into account, yes, I think mining plays a special role. And we see that in many of the um, planning systems uh, in, in Europe and, and, and beyond, that there are often very special mining legislations in addition to uh, spatial planning, which considers to be more, or land use planning, which is, is considered to more, um, more broad. By the way, I'm just mixing land use planning and spatial planning. I think the major difference here is that spatial planning has the more, it, it goes up to the regional level, sometimes the national level, whereas land use planning um, finally makes the decision on how to use property in land. It's less strategic, but it's really on the specific plot of land. So here, here it really comes together all this balancing act on what to, what can you do with the square meter of land. Um, so um, what I'm saying here is mining is one of the spatial interests that needs to be balanced. It's a very strong and a very specific one that makes it so special, I think. This helps a lot to better understand the difficulty of finding an appropriate balance between different types of land use. It's definitely a challenging process, as we can see. We will now hear from Sybil on how she perceives the relationship between different decision-making levels, such as local or regional policy and national development plans. She was able to tell us more about Ireland's approach and especially how the different levels interact when it comes to mining. In Ireland, we have the national plan and then the regional plan and then local plans. The, the hierarchy of plans is aligned. The policies that are included nationally are translated regionally and locally. And the lower the level you go, the more adapted to the local circumstances the policy is. Now, that's just for a supportive policy framework. You know, that's your starting point. You need a supportive policy framework to go and proceed with development. As for reconciling locally, uh, you know, with local interest, you need to have a negotiation with the local authority, with the community, and try to understand. And that's where your plan, your local plan, can help. You can um, get developers, mining developers, mineral developers, to go and talk to communities or and to make proposals. So, as in. They have to recognize, and they are very good in Ireland for that, they recognize that, yes, this you're going to have to live with noise and vibration, you're going to have to live with dust, you're going to live with, you know, HGV vehicles, etc. So these uh, companies have to give something back to the community, and that something back is not just giving them jobs or saying, oh yeah, we've created 500 jobs and then that's it. So. Development plans, local plans, they can include policies that forces developers to do that. They can uh, include in their policy framework for the assessment of proposal, they can include policies that require or that are imposed on developers to go and talk to local communities to try and understand 
what they want, where they're coming from, and where what they don't want. And I think that's actually quite important at reconciling interest. You can only reconcile interest by having parties talk to each other. And negotiation is critical in a successful process, I think. That's really interesting to better understand the link between national and local policies in land use planning, especially when it comes to mining. We also asked Thomas for his take on this. Um, I would like to add to the notion of negotiation versus regulation. Um, it, it appears sometimes when once you, you want a certain land use and then the planner comes with certain regulations and, and, and stuff. Uh, th this, is, this is then often proclaimed as being very bureaucratic or development unfriendly um, or well, we need to understand that most of these, not, not all of them, of course, but most of these regulations and most of the negotiations that are necessary are not done in order to annoy developers or to annoy the planners or the citizens. This is done for a purpose. And the purpose is we're dealing with scarce resources. And in particular, land is a very, very particular and special um, spatial resource. We cannot relocate it. We cannot reproduce it. We need to be careful with using it. So there is some legitimacy and justification for having certain regulations. Um, so yeah, it is sometimes bureaucratic, but it's not bureaucratic just because of um, the joy of bureaucracy by planners um, have that, but well, most of them hopefully don't have that, but it, it is for a reason. It's in order to, to to be very sure that we that we use the scarce resources at the best in the best way, and this is this is why we should not only um, well whine about bureaucracy and complicated processes. Quite the contrary, we should honor these processes, um, and they're they're not perfect. This is not what I'm saying, and I know there are situations where there where the where the system is working quite the contrary of perfect. Um, but the reason, we need to understand the reason why we have planning regulations. It's not property unfriendly, actually it's quite property friendly because it protects someone's properties. Um, and this is the reason we need to understand this. This makes it much easier for us to accept uh, procedures and negotiations and discussions with local communities. We are already reaching the end of this episode, but before we wrap it up, I would like to share additional insights from Sybil on how the land use planning process works in Ireland. In Ireland, we split consent for mineral development in three. We have our planning permission, so that's for your infrastructure for operating the mine, that's accompanied by the um, environmental impact assessment and the assessment under the Habitats Directive. Then once that's secured, you go to the Environmental Protection Agency where you get your integrated pollution control or your industrial emission license, depending on the amount of waste. And then finally, you go to the minister to get your mining lease or license. In a way, okay, we have three different bodies taking three different decisions and um, we never, we don't know until maybe 100 years that this was the right decision but it kind of gives comfort that the right decision was taken at the end because you have to go through all of your stages of consenting. You have three different bodies looking at three different types of impact 
and all of them are putting forward their best expertise available to make the decision. Well, that is very interesting. I believe by now we all understand how complex land use planning is and how difficult it is finding the appropriate balance between different types of land use. However, it is important to collect good practices and it was very helpful to hear insights from Sybil on how the land use planning is organised in Ireland, for instance. Uh, in case you are interested in other best practice examples, I would invite you to browse through the Knowledge Repository, which has been developed within the framework of the SUMEX project, where you can find a compilation of good practices with views to boosting sustainability in the extractive sector. That said, I thank you all for listening and already look forward to our next episode of our podcast. Thank you.